Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're coming to you once again from California, my once great golden state that's been living under the, the tyranny of Gavin Newsom Leaney for some time. And uh, we're, we're going to have a guest on the show today who is also in this great state and standing up against so much of the wickedness that's coming against families and children, and frankly, reality and common sense itself. Uh, but we're on the road doing a conference here in California. We're at a church in Southern California, and then uh, we're here with our team of the White Rose Resistance. And it's good to be back with freedom fighters behind enemy lines in California who, who have a better sense of the battle than most people in America because uh, they deal with it up front, uh, right in the face, it's so much more intense than so many people. And so um, today our guest is, is Pamela uh, Garfield Yeager, um, who is a licensed social worker and has worked with children for about 20 years. And uh, she's pretty. Uh, she's pretty based. She's developed quite the bold voice, uh, speaking out against transgenderism, the indoctrination of children, uh, this affirming therapy that is encouraging the the gender delusions of minors and trying to sever the relationship between parent and child because these people actually think that they are better parents to your children they the state they the public schools than you the parent are she's a licensed social worker and brings a really interesting perspective on how wokeism call it whatever you want the religion of of transgenderism, the, the religion of Gnosticism, what that's doing to medicine, what that's doing to counseling, to psychiatry, to these disciplines that are supposed to exist to help people. Um, and now if you acknowledge what every Democrat believed 10 years ago, that there are only two genders, uh, well, they're going to come for you. They're going to excise you. Um, and she's been fighting a lot of this stuff on the front lines for some time. You can follow her at the dot truthful therapist. And she was just up at uh, Sacramento, actually, on the Hill, uh, explaining how wicked the new proposed bill is from California, AB 665, uh, which we'll get into, which is a direct assault on the family and on the rights of parents um, to know what's happening in their children's lives because they're the parents. And it's crazy that we have to say that today in 2023. So I think you're going to be in for a treat. We're going to have more people like this on the show who are doing something. And you need to be encouraged by that because you need to do something. Stop yelling at Tucker Carlson's. Look at people who are doing things, thank them, draw some of that courage and go live it. Because the people attacking your children and killing the babies in the womb and transing the kids, they're living it. And it's about time we meet them on that field of battle. Buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Pamela, welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Wow. <laughs> well, I... Uh, I've been on the road a lot, and so I haven't been on social media as much. And so I, I had not uh, caught some of what you're doing on social media and the uproar you're raising. And so my team sent it to me, and I was like, wow, there we go. You know, uh, you're cut from the same cloth, and we're grateful for what you're doing. Um, so your perspective is really interesting um, because a lot of people don't realize what wokeism is doing to some of these disciplines. Uh, I mean, you're prevented. The, legally, in, in some cases, from actually 
caring for and applying your professional discipline and training to help people. And and some of these disciplines are being ruined as they're being told, no, you can't help the person how you think best. And it's always someone who doesn't have the same degree, doesn't have the same training, doesn't have the same experience in the field of discipline you do, right? But they're high priests of the religion of humanism, right? And they're pontiffs of the religion of secular progressivism. And so they know best. So shut up, Pamela. You're not allowed to say those things. I mean, like, it's, it's crazy <laughs> how dogmatic they are for their religion. I mean, they're more dogmatic than many Christians are for Christianity, actually. Um, and so give us a little bit of a primer on who you are, uh, kind of your background. Um, and you were telling me some of this off air and how you kind of started realizing, oh, my gosh, what is happening in the American culture? So tell us about yourself, Pamela. <sighs> Yeah, I have a bit of an unusual story. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I've been licensed here in California since 2005. I originally got my master's degree at New York University in 1999. So I have a lot of experience, and most of my experience is working in schools, working in group homes, working in with mostly with troubled youth or people with severe mental health issues. And I was also a clinical supervisor. So I have all this experience, and um, unfortunately, in 2016, I had come down with a disability and dropped out of my profession when really I think that's when our country really took a turn, and I wasn't really paying attention to a lot of the the political division that was happening, and I think as this indoctrination stuff was bubbling to the surface, I think it was... It was there long before. It, it's, now I can see that it's something that they have been working on for, I think, generations. But I think it's around now where it came to the surface around those four years that I was out on disability. So I came back to work in 2021 working in a, a teen group therapy program. And I was shocked at what I was seeing. I was shocked at how the kids were all very much entrenched in this social justice sort of culture and really grasping onto this identity of being anti-racist and also holding on to this victim mentality, all of these different things. And then, of course, the biggest egregious thing that I saw was how they it was half the girls at this program were identifying as non-binary or transgender in some shape or form. And that was that was a big shock. But the biggest shock was how my colleagues were completely going along with it and didn't question it at all. And yeah, that was the big shock and not something that was happening just three or four years earlier. And so that opened my eyes. I had kind of woken up to how our culture our country had really shifted in 2020 during the George Floyd riots. That was sort of what really opened my eyes when people weren't able to have a conversation and they believe just because one horrific incident happened, that means our entire country needs to be like torn down. I just didn't understand that. And uh, I, I experienced for the first time that cancel culture, friends and people telling me I was racist and I was white splaining and all these weird things. I was like, what? I've spent my entire career working with these populations in a very respectful manner. How could you, you know, there are people that didn't do this kind of work. They were telling me that I'm, that I don't care. It was just completely backwards. 
So yeah, I basically woke up to all of this tyranny. And when I was at this job, which was in a hospital setting, I unfortunately was taken out because of the and I was no longer able to work. So I felt like I had a calling. I had a calling to speak up and share what I saw and share my experience because I know there aren't a lot of people with my point of view with also my background and experience. So I wanted to be the voice. So wow. Good for you. That's what happened. Wow. Yeah. And you were one of many who were fired for not taking a certain type of thing, a certain type of needle. Um, yeah, I shouldn't and... have said it. You're going to be on YouTube. Yeah, no, we, we don't care, but it, yeah, it is very frustrating. So um, you were sharing with me off air too. I'd love for you to share some more kind of just how um, you, you kind of reached a point where you just could not do anything anymore. Um, especially coming from someone, I think you were saying who, who maybe was a, a little bit more liberal in some of your ideas prior to, you know, 2017, 2016, um, talk about that for us. Like, you know, w when did you reach the point where, you know, watching your own discipline and industry start to collapse in on itself because of these ideologies? Uh, and then when did you start speaking out in a major way? Well, I think it started to collapse before I saw it, but I saw it firsthand in 2021. I think the collapsing was happening during those years while I was out. So it was, it was a very shocking revelation for me. I think people who were in it, it kind of came a little more gradually and slowly. So when I started speaking out or when I started noticing these things, it was just common sense to anyone. It's as, it's as if you went on a time machine and just went from 2016 to 2021. Someone even, I'd, I'd say left-leaning, most left-leaning people would even agree with most of what I'm saying today. However, some for some reason, everyone has changed their point of view. Like you said earlier, suddenly you can't say there's there are only two genders. You can't acknowledge that there are usually underlying issues for why a young person might want to identify as transgender gender. You can't recognize that pretty much every institution has been captured by this. And if you turn on the TV, every single cartoon network movie billboard has some kind of transgender message or person on it. And that might have an influence on young people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't understand yeah, yeah. how that's not acknowledged. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people say I'm brave all the time, but it's weird because I don't even recognize sometimes that I'm quote unquote brave because I'm just speaking common sense, common sense to things that people of all, I'd say political backgrounds would have said five, six years ago for the most part. Yep. So Good for yeah, you. that's how fast the culture moves, huh? Uh, isn't it crazy? Like I'm, I'm 31 and when I, and yet I remember my parents always asking you know who my friends were and who I was hanging out with because not even that long ago we understood kids are impressionable young people are impressionable the yes. people you hang out with how <laughs> you spend your time how much time you spend with certain types of people what do those people think what do they talk about what do they believe about the world what are their ideologies what's their worldview because that's going to inevitably rub off on an impact Th those that you're doing life with. I mean, we used to all, like, everyone knew this. All of my friends, their parents, for the most part, most of them were like, what, you know, how long did you stay at your friend's house? What did you do? Da, da, da. And now kids walk around with this in their pocket 
uh, spending way more hours on this than than I did as a children with my own friends um, after school. And nobody's no, most parents are not even worried about it. And this is a liturgy. It's a liturgy. And it's and it's inculcating the next generation with a certain vision of the good life, with a certain vision of what the revolutionaries would call human flourishing, that this is the vision. This is the, the world we want to create. And that causes you to change how you see the world, right? Because culture is to us what water is to a fish. It's all that we know. Um, and, but, but you're right. You're saying things that just in 2008 or, or, or 2012 would have been taken for granted. And now they're all being questioned again. So what has that done to your industry? What has that done to people like you who try to use your discipline and experience and study and licensing to help people struggling with mental illness, to, to help people with trauma, to help people with whatever they need help with, broken homes, children with pa parents that are absent or missing, the whole gambit. I help people understand, Pamela, for those who don't understand how it, the late stages we are in wokeism, um, this, this terminal ideological cancer, a explain for the, the less based red-pilled individuals who don't actually are not fully awake to what's happening. Can you help us understand what these ideologies are doing to disciplines like psychiatry, like health, like counseling, like therapy? Well, I think like you described, they are infected with a cancer. They're highly diseased. I, I'd say my profession always was left-leaning and had these cancers in them, but now it's really festered and it's pervasive. And I think there before there was some room for debate or discussion or for people with different points of view, and now there's zero room for it. And I think what's happened is probably a lot during those years I was out, the cancel culture was in effect, but more quietly. So I think people who were more like-minded like me and like you have been weeded out. They either self selected to not join the profession because they saw where it was headed or they were fired or quietly let go um, or made an example of something like that. So there's a lot of silencing and a lot of can canceling that has been happening over the years that people haven't been aware of. But yeah, the institutions are so captured. The training is, it's insane. I don't know how else to put it. Um, people who are listening perhaps are aware that most detransitioners or people who are now speaking out after identifying as trans will disclose that their parents were told that they would die by suicide if they didn't get the affirmative care, if they didn't get gender and or hormones and surgeries, that they will go ahead and kill themselves and that they and their parents were fed that lie and that threat by the professionals around them. And the reason for that is the institutions are teaching that. They're teaching that script. So it's not just, oh, a few bad apples that are saying that. It's, it's actually a script and they're being taught to say it. In fact, here in California, you're not even allowed to do therapy with someone and maybe explore if they have trauma or explore why they feel uncomfortable in their body because that's considered conversion therapy. So there are real laws that are out there to stop people from my profession from doing just doing their jobs appropriately and and it's it's really pervasive here yep well and <clears throat> that type of conversion therapy goes back even even farther than just the trans debate you know they, they've tried to block therapy and counseling 
for people with homosexual desires and tendencies um, who don't want those desires. Like, who, that, like homosexually attracted people who say, like, I would actually like help actually maybe getting rid of this, right? Um, and they, they, they want to ban that type of therapy, too. They, they don't want that to be acceptable. It's That's like, been banned, I assume. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's already it's, banned. You know, so much for believing all women, so much for believing the victim, you know, so much for living your own truth and your own uh, self-identity. You know, if that identity runs counter to liberalism or wokeism, then they don't like that self-identity. And, and, and you actually kind of proved it, whether you knew it or not, with what you just said, the detransitioners. Uh, interesting how people who chopped up their up their body parts are have sterilized themselves and um, will never look or sound the same again. When they say this was wrong, it was screwed up. I regret it all. They're not welcomed onto CNN. They're not welcomed onto NPR. They're not welcomed onto. Uh, any of the left-leaning podcasts like Pod Save America or the Young Turks. It's only when your delusions run down the streams of liberalism that you're championed and go, slay queen, slay, go, preach. But but if 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 gender is fluid and it's not fixed, then it can flow both ways. And so if it can flow both ways, then why aren't the high priests of humanism as zealous to celebrate the detransitioners as they were when they went down the streams of liberalism. Why why won't you celebrate that? Ah, ah, because it was never about tolerance. It was about ideological uniformity. You, you, you need to play the role. You need to look the part. You need to become a leftist. <laughs> you need to become a social justice it's warrior. Yeah. What's interesting about that, what you're saying is because some, some of the detransitioners who the, it's it's difficult for them to speak out and they've been silenced for years and so th this is a unique time because they have finally come out and they're finding each other and they're realizing that they are not as rare as they were led to believe but what's interesting is is that they will say that their therapist immediately affirmed them and their gender because of course the patient knows best right like we're supposed to, the, the according to the the new philosophy then why are they a patient uh, the therapists are supposed to be <laughs> If they're Sorry. there to get, if the patient is to there to get help, led. yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. So patient led, but then when the patient says, "I'm having some doubts," or "I'm I'm feeling as though this might have been a mistake," then the therapist won't allow them to explore those feelings at all. No, it's only in one direction. So yeah, the person knows the person knows themselves best, except when you don't go the way we want you to go. So. Yeah, and that's that's a very common story. Yeah. Well, I love I love how awakened <laughs> you've gotten, Pamela. I love how you see this now. This is what we call the liberal establishment. Um, I, I you can call it the Leviathan. You can call it the deep state. You can call it I call it the religion of humanism. It's it's all the same thing. Um, they they do have a religion. They do have an ideology. They do have a worldview. And anything that is on the, the on the horizons of that worldview is not acceptable, right? If, if, if it's not the centerpiece of their ideology and religion, then you're not welcomed. Your opinions are not welcomed. Um, and, and, and so I, I think it's important that people like you speak and speak loudly um, uh, because the other side is, and they have been for a long, long time. So can you talk about, again, for some people who don't understand 
like how intense this moment is and the kind of legislation that they're pushing. Can you talk about your recent trip to the Capitol, you speaking out against AB 665, but can you also tell us what it is? Can you actually explain to us what this bill is and, and would do and then and then tell us about your time up there on the Capitol? Yeah, so AB 665 is a California bill that is basically government-sanctioned kidnapping. What it's going to do, in, since 2010 here in California, children ages 12 and up have been able to consent to therapy on their own without parental consent. That's been in this state for a very long time. And what this bill is going to do is extend that now to residential treatment. So now if a child age 12 or up is deemed mature enough, then they can go to a residential program and be sent to a residential program without parental consent. And so basically a child can go to school, say, I want to go to a residential program. Perhaps they got into a fight with their parent. A lot of the cases will probably be related to this transgender thing, like my parent dead named me or something. You know, they're a rebellious teenager. And Wait, they, some people, some people don't some know what that home. means. Pamela, some people don't know what that phrase dead naming means. Can you briefly define that for people? Okay. Yeah, so dead name is a term that they use when you basically use the name of the person that was given to them. Because when you become transgender, you choose a new name, which I believe is the fact that you're taking on not only a whole new identity, a whole new look, but a whole new name. That is, to me, I think it's really, really, really enforces how cult-like this is. Because when you let go of your name, you really let go of who you are and you let go of your roots and the name that your family gave to you. So if a parent wants to use the name that the child chose, that is considered now sometimes by them as an assault and horrific and can induce suicide. So it were, I guess now this week after a shooting, it could even cause homicide. I mean, this is, this is the, the leaps that they are taking. So now if, if this happens, if someone is, you, if a parent wants to use the name that they gave their own child, they're now dead naming their child. And that is looked at as very, a very horrific act. And that could be enough to take this child away from that family and put them into a group home, a very questionable group home. And so this bill is basically allowing for that to happen. Yep. Yep. So Pamela, we, we didn't get a, a lot of time to talk off air before this. So for the people listening to this episode, um, I didn't actually get to ask uh, our, our wonderful guest today uh, about her, her religious beliefs or lack thereof. But because you said occult, because you said that's like very occultish. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to have to piggyback off of your statement. I mean, I'm going to have to make a point here. Um, this is demonic. This stuff is demonic. Um, and, and when you look at, at, at portrayals of Satan and demons historically, okay, through the ages, Pamela, um, you, you may have noticed this before, um, Satan and all the ways that he's been portrayed, um, historically, it's always androgynous. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Yeah. Always androgynous. And, and there, there's, there's actually, a you know, what's interesting. Oh. Yes, please go ahead. So another person that I communicate with online had just pointed out that 
the Heaven's Gate cult. I don't know if you're familiar with what happened then in the late 90s in San Diego, I believe. There was this cult where they ended up killing themselves by drinking poison. Well, the leader of that cult was apparently androgynous. I don't know how you want to put it. Had been castrated. And what, and the way they controlled the people was to take away their gender. In that cult, the Heaven's Gate cult, if there's an HBO special on it, she was pointing it out and showing some clips. That was profound. And that is a, that is a way to strip a person's identity, their, their individualism, right? I mean, the reason America has always been so strong is we believed in individualism, our own beliefs. And But if, when you take that away, that makes people to to be easier to be controlled. So I think there's, I mean, there's so many layers to this, but that that is one piece of it for sure. And Pamela, it's because sex is so fundamental to who we are, right? Um, Both Mm -hmm. both in the sense of gender, right? Like our sex is is determined at conception, actually. Your sex was determined at conception when you came into existence <clears throat> as a new human being, right? Follow the science, they say, right? Well, if you follow the science, you know, you know the problem with following the science, by the way, Pamela, <laughs> you tend to become pro-life. That's a problem with following the science. Um, and, and so we, our sex was determined at the moment of conception. And then sexually, right, we're human beings, but, but our sexual nature is pretty fundamental to who we are. Now, I don't use the language of the left. They, they say that we're sexual beings. And actually, if we have time, we can talk about that because some of this this obsession with the sexual identity of children, um, like you mentioned earlier, it, it actually also goes back a really long way. Um, uh, but, but the point I was making is that, is that in, it, from a spiritual warfare, from a spiritual perspective, Demons and Satan have always been portrayed as androgynous. And the theological reason for this, by the way, but that according to the Christian worldview, which I would say is, is really the only appropriate worldview, the one that built this republic, by the way, um, is that because God made man and woman in his image and in his likeness, right, that because Satan hates God, because God cast him out of heaven, right? So he's been portray- he's been attacking Christians and the church and 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 babies and children and those made in the image of God. Satan and the occult hate anything that reminds them of their impending damnation. Hates anything that reminds them of 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 where these ideas came from. Right? I mean, sex is God's idea, not man's idea. Right, man and woman is 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 God's idea, not man's idea. Right, that that there are these almost like um, signatures of the divine, uh, and one of those is simply the fact that there are men and there are women. And guess what? And there's distinctions. That that there's actually a distinction. Yeah, there is. There is a distinction between a man and a woman. And 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 you know that if um if you ever took a shower, I don't know. Like this is not complex, guys. And so so the occult always wants to attack this idea of distinctions, right? Because it, it, it's a subtle reminder that somebody intentionally made us distinct. And so with that in mind, I wanted to show you this and, and those who watch this show. Um, this is, this is a, a famous painting um, of a demon named Baphomet, uh, B-A-P-H-O-M-E-T, Baphomet. Um, and he's got the head of a, like a goat, which uh, or a bull. It's, it's, it's always a goat or a bull, by the way. Um, like Moloch and Baal, the gods of child sacrifice from the scriptures. Anytime they were portrayed, it was a bull's head. So a, a bull's head on like a man's body is is very like typical demonic um, uh, art. Uh, and he has sort of a muscular looking abdomen with maybe hair on it. 
and then and looks like larger shoulders, like sort of a male body, but wings in the back and then breasts. So you've got this like depiction of like male aspects, female aspects, and animal aspect. So I'll sh I'll show it to you here, um, and I don't know how, how closely you can see that, um, but the, this Baphomet demon literally has breasts, wings, the head of a goat or a bull, and here's what matters: it, written in Latin on the demon's arms, one on here and one on here, is the word "solve coagula." Solve coagula. Now get ready for this. It's gonna blow your mind. In Latin, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. In what that Latin, means. it means to break down and destroy and to remake. Oh, interesting. To break down and to remake. That sounds it, like it, exactly it, what we're going through. It, right it actually now, means that, it? <laughs> that you can't remake something except from the broken pieces. That you have to entirely break something down before it can be remade. Solve coagula. Um, so with the androgynous portrayals, with the admission that we want to break everything down, any distinctions, anything that resembles human nature, um, our very bodies themselves uh, and remake them, which is why I say transgenderism is an alternative gospel, right? It's trying to remake man in man's own image. Uh, rather than the image of God that they were given in the womb. So anyways, because you said that piece about the occult, I just wanted to add that in. Like, like this, should, this should not surprise people. Like, this is not coincidental. This is not accidental. These ideas go back a long, long ways, and they've always been related with the occult. So anyways, back to you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was at with that. But, I mean, the main thing that AB665 uh, is doing is – it's just another route for the state of California to divide families. And that's how we're going to weaken our society is how we're going to weaken current families and future families. And this is, I mean, my testimony at the Capitol was basically explaining how when we take kids away from their families, regardless of the circumstances, even families that quite frankly, aren't, however you want to put it, the best or, you know, parents that are struggling if you rip the parent, the children away from the parents, you're not helping anyone's mental health. If you're working with the child in isolation without the parents, you're not helping them. Even even when there are parents that, quite frankly, however you want to measure it, aren't the best. It's not the best intervention. There was actually a young woman who testified. She was a high school student. She was a first-generation immigrant. I'm not sure where she was from, but first-generation immigrant. And she explained how her parents were very busy, working hard, don't have a lot of money, and that she didn't want to burden them with her problems, and she didn't want to burden them with having to access mental health care. So she believed that this bill was great for her and for people like her because now families, the, you know, families can get the help they need. But what was interesting was her testimony was the exact reason why we this bill is a problem. Because I've met many youth exactly like her under those situations where they feared talking to their parents. They feared that they were a failure to their family because they moved here to the United States and they were not happy. So that that is what induced suicidal thoughts. So that's what induced mental health issues. And as soon as I brought the family in and had them talk to each other and the family understood where the child was coming from and the child could talk to the parents about what they were going through, 
then the mental health actually improved, and that's when the healing began. So the, their exact testimony is the reason why this is not is this a terrible idea. There's lots of reasons, really, but that but that one specifically was interestingly supposed to convince us that this is the right thing. Oh, what about these poor people over here, right? <laughs> but even even under those situations, it's best to involve the family. It is it is not useful to work in isolation without family if there are issues at home. So it's it's a terrible bill. And it's scary, quite frankly, what, the potential for this to give it, to give the state and school counselors who are horribly trained and now are being trained that the ki children know best and they don't have any clinical training and they are they are little indoctrinators and it's very it's a very scary bill if that's how they are now and if yeah. this we continue on this path, I mean I have a lot of fears for how what this is going to mean for families in the future. Yeah. And, and we should be. Um, uh, I don't think that some of these people, the Democrats in, in, in the California Congress uh, Assembly, I, I don't think that that most of them believe in this stuff. I think it's solve coagula. I think it's uh, I think it's break it all down so we can remake it from the ashes. I think it's a proxy um, to attack your political opponents. Um, because a lot of these people, they already hate conservatives. They hate Christian families. Um, there, there has been attempts historically. You probably know this, Pamela, but there have been attempts historically going back to like over 10 years ago. These attempts to try to rein in homeschool uh, curriculum by the California Democrats mm -hmm. to try to have more of a power. Right, over the they want control. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always been that. Yeah. They hate homeschooling parents. They hate Christians. They hate conservatives. They hate pro-life individuals. Um, and and you're, I'm sure you're experiencing a lot but, of that hate now too. And and so I don't think some of these people believe the the, the 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 I'm sorry the crap that they're selling. Some of them do, but but it's it's a politically useful tool to accrue power to castigate your opponents as as hating children and wanting them to make them kill themselves because you won't affirm their identity. And also, I just got to say this: How weird is it that of all the Democrats, that's the most dogmatically behind this stuff? The dude's last name is Weiner. Like, am I the only one that just yeah. thinks that that's I weird? Call him, um, I, I call him Scott Penis now. Yeah, um, Kelly amen. J. Keen from the yeah. UK came to visit San Francisco, <laughs> and she started calling him that, and I thought that was a great nickname. Anthony Weiner, like, jeez. <laughs> um, but I, I just want to note, though, it's not the it's actually not the conservative and Christian families that are most impacted by these laws. It's actually the Democratic left-leaning families that are suffering the most. They are actually the ones that are being hurt more by this transgender agenda, but they're quieter about it because the the, the Christian and Catholic families are a little more they they have the family values and they're able they're watching their children a little bit more. It's the it's the families where the parents are working two jobs and they're busy and they think it's okay for a while until they realize things have gone too far that are really impacted and lose their children. So it, it's affecting all of the families. In fact, it's affecting the non-Catholic Christian families more, especially around here in California. Yeah. You know, a detransitioner was telling their story recently, Pamela, and with your background in counseling and, and uh, social service, um, you probably heard of it, and I would actually love to get your take on it. This was a, a, a this is a man um, who who tried to live as a woman, who convinced himself that he could be a woman. <clears throat> um, and <clears throat> now he's one of these detransitioners telling his story. 
And he was so brutally honest to say, I had this belief that I believe was backed by evidence. I had this belief and understanding growing up that my father always favored my sister. He seemed to like my sister more. So I was I was raised with this belief, imbibed, embedded, assumed in many ways <clears throat> that girls are better. It seemed that it seemed that my dad loved his daughter more than me. Um, and he is now contributing nearly all of his transgenderism pain and regrets to family of origin trauma stuff. This this wasn't this wasn't like some realization he came to one day. I always knew I was meant to be in a woman's body. No, he's saying he's saying no, it was actually like I wanted my father to love me more. And that was one of the driving forces behind why I tried to identify and chop up my body and pump myself full of drugs to appear more as a girl. Um, can we just talk about that for a second? Why? Uh, no. Well, of course, we're not allowed to, right? Because then you're a bigot and you're not affirming their identity. But, but I'd love to get your perspective. There's so many on that. stories. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's so many different stories and circumstances. I mean, and and therapy in the past was always about exploring those individual stories and figuring out what's really happening, what are the underlying issues for that person. And that story is fairly common. It, it, it goes both ways because the, the girls think that the, the boy or the brother was favored. That's That's been a, a story. There's also sometimes it's really deep, complicated grief. So if a sibling died, I've heard of this happening where a brother or sister died and they kind of want to replace that brother or sister or they feel that the family cares more about the 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 deceased so they want to take that place of that person um it, sometimes yeah there, there's so many different situations this is real stuff it's not I mean, this one is, this is real stuff yeah really deep seated yeah. pain i mean really uh, the most common situation is usually some kind of sexual trauma so sexual abuse sometimes really in early childhood um a, a lot of kids who are autistic or on the autistic spectrum land in this and they're honestly being preyed upon to be told that they're transgenders because all of the problems that they face socially they end up believing oh maybe it's just because i'm the wrong sex not because they're they struggle socially and they struggle they're they process the world differently than other people so there's there are so many different situations and of course they need to be explored but we're not allowed to anymore and that's the that is the shame of it and that's where i was again shocked when i entered the field um I also saw, in general, you know, the, we're, we're talking teenagers with behavioral issues, body image issues, um, struggling to fit in, teenage stuff, and a lot of things. Uh, it's a very common where a teenager doesn't feel good for whatever reason emotionally that they want to feel control of their life. They want to find a way to take control, whether it's in a healthy way or not. They want to find that way. And this has become a way for them to control their surroundings because now they can tell anybody who has authority over them that if they don't use the right pronoun, that they're a bigot or a transphobe and they get to avoid the problems and the pain that they have. And instead of the adult saying, okay, we need to, I want to support you about and discuss what's really happening for you so you can 
you know, mature and live a healthy adult life, they start affirming them instead of addressing whatever the issues that they have. So we're having adults that are basically harming children by not not telling them the truth and not helping yeah. them process what's really I, going I on underneath. I haven't heard people their say pain that. And their struggles. I haven't heard as, uh, enough people say what you just said. I think that was really powerful. Uh, I want I want to repeat what you just said for people who might not have caught how significant that was. When you're going through trauma, life sucks. Your family's broken apart. Maybe it's being ripped asunder. Maybe you lost a parent or a sibling. When you feel powerless mm -hmm. and the world is spinning out of control and you're a teenager, if there's anything you can do to regain power, to feel like that you can control something, you're going to try to do that because it's a way to center yourself. It's a way to almost remain sane when the world and your life internally is spinning out of control. Like, why can't we talk about that? Why can't we talk about the fact that there has to be a certain segment of these young people who claim to be struggling with gender delusions who are simply acting out and it's a social contagion and they get all these accolades and you go, boy, you go, girl, slay, speak your truth. They get welcomed into this community where they feel loved and affirmed and celebrated by strangers oftentimes on freaking TikTok or some social media thing. They're getting more attention and love that they think is love that they've, than they felt for a long time and now they feel like they have power. That's a lot to going on. That's a lot to have going on internally in a 13 or 14 year old person's life um, who may already be dealing with a lot of brokenness. Um, but of course, you're not allowed to talk about any of that because solve coagula. And, and this obsession with the sexual um, identity of children, by the way, Pamela, it goes back a long ways. We don't have time to get into all of it right now, but Alfred Kinsey, okay, the, the American Humanist Association, yes. the Sexuality Information Education Council of the United States, SECUS, which was started by Mary Calderon, who was Planned Parenthood's medical director in 1964. So Planned Parenthood's been behind much of the sexualization of children and the pornographic sex ed push. SECUS mm -hmm. was founded by Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner told Alfred Kinsey, Kinsey, he wanted to be his pamphleteer. So Hugh Hefner becomes the bridge from Kinsey to culture with Playboys. Um, and, and so this this all goes way deeper than we have time to get into. But the, the common denominator was this. When you study this stuff, Pamela, the common denominator was this. They all believed that children were sexual from birth and had sexual rights to sexual pleasure. They were obsessed with what they believed was the sexual identity of children. If you want to have a conversation about how children are sexual and you think children have a sexual identity and can have sexual urges and have a right to sexual pleasure as children, you are a pedophile. There's no other word to describe it. You are a pedophile and you're grooming children. If you want to have a conversation about the sexual identity of children, that's all I need to know. Full stop. You're a pedophile. You should be in prison. So I just want to make the point that like that's the common denominator and that's the philosophical tradition that Anthony Penis, I'm sorry, Anthony Weiner in today he's in the same tradition <laughs> as alfred kinsey who died because he jacked off too much that's how alfred kinsey died and he interviewed pedophiles in prison who were there because they had raped children over days and timed their orgasms with a stopwatch he got their data and he ran this yeah, as I've the normal <laughs> sexual um uh, life of the normal american male i'm just saying that's the tradition that these democrats are in um and if there was ever a time to stand up and to unapologetically proclaim the truth and to tell these pedophilic uh, 
Baphomet demons to sit the hell down. It's right now uh, before before it's too late to turn this whole thing around. Um, so we're so grateful for what you're yeah, doing, Pamela. Sure. Do you have any other things that you want to share? Like, have you seen the the response, the anger coming at you as you're beginning to speak and stand? Are there any updates from the front lines of the culture war that you're in right now that you want people to just understand just to get the serious nature of this fight? Is um, there anything else? I mean... I've lost a lot of friends already in different rounds. I lost friends, unfortunately, just from having a physical disability and people not being there for me. And then I lost friends when I spoke out against BLM in 2020. And so now that I've been pretty outspoken on the transgender agenda, a lot of people just don't talk to me. So I don't even feel the loss. I think that's why it's easier for me because when you lose so much already, it's easier to, you have, I had less to lose to begin with. Um, I obviously get hate online and I've, you know, I've seen it all, but it's not as personal. So it doesn't, it doesn't affect me as much. Um, I have a supportive spouse. I honestly struggle with my family, my, my immediate family. They think I'm, like too political and I'm, I'm working with hate groups and things like that. Um, but they say they love me anyway and they think they're kind of acting like the better person, but they don't really listen to what I have to say. And they don't recognize that honestly, they have the same values as I do, but unfortunately because of the media and the messaging and, uh, Google and Wikipedia and those places that, and they don't realize that those outlets are lying to them that they think I'm misguided and that they still, they have to just sort of tolerate me. So that, that's been a struggle. Um, but, and then I also just want to say, I agree with you that this is very demonic or this is evil. I believe there are a lot of nefarious players in this, but the average person, and even I believe the average therapist, well, they're not, I, you know, we know where the road to hell is paved with and, but I don't believe that they realize what they're doing. I think there's a terrible group think happening and they really just don't think at all. And so I think, I think it's useful to remember that, that I think we can reach people that are just not realizing that they're in this group think scenario. And if they do, and if we can probably reach some more people rather than demonize them all just because they're in this field and maybe even they're, they're, carrying out some of these agendas the people doing it not everybody realizes all what you just explained all what we've been talking about today so that that's part of it is trying to help people one who agree with me stand up because that that's been a struggle because there is a lot to lose and then two helping people realize that they're not on the side of rainbows and sunshine and it's not helping kids because we need to set limits and we need to help guide them. So I don't know. That's that's just one just message I'd like to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, these children one day when they are adults uh, will have some powerful and um, spicy words yeah. for all of the Americans. I don't know. Who... I think about that. <laughs> stood by yeah, and how nothing. are they gonna i mean so many kids are gonna the, come around and say, the dam is only thinking? just starting to and crack. we're hearing that from right. the, the 
Go ahead. The dam is only just starting to We're crack. hearing it from the detransition. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's starting. We're hearing it already, and we're only going to hear more of it in the future. That's right. And and I'm not even addressing those families where they're encouraging <laughs> it. The the parents are putting children, very young prepubescent children, on oh, yeah, puberty I mean, blockers. Yeah. Where the hell is they, CPS? For different yeah. reasons. Yeah, that's, that's exactly a whole right. other thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, children need to be removed from the home when they're being abused by their own family. And that's that's not based. That's yeah, not conservative. I'm... That's just American. Yeah. <laughs> But our, our profession, our professionals and our institutions are backing it. And of course, we know they have a lot of money to make from this. So, yeah, yeah I mean, really, sure. we do need to stand up to this. This is about our future. This is about our country. This is about our children. This is not right or left. This isn't even I, I understand you have That's religion. Right. A lot of people believe this religiously. And, and but even people who aren't religious would agree with everything you're saying. It's just you don't have to be. Evil. This is. Literally the one topic where porn stars and extremely religious Catholics agree. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> we, we need to unite so yeah, on this and recognize yeah. <laughs> this is just about good and evil and what's right for children. Yep. Yep. That's right. Powerful. Um, hey, as we finish, uh, Pamela, t- uh, tell us about the mom army. Oh, yeah. So I'm in the mom army. It is a relatively new group. When was it? I guess it was... a officially born about mid last year and it's a group of moms and they have a dad army too but not even moms because I'm actually not even a mom myself but I'm on the advisory council and really it's their mission is to stop this war against children and it's founded by a woman named Seek Smith and she has a lot of experience fighting child trafficking And that's um, a lot of the women that she's recruited are child sexual abuse survivors. So that is kind of their niche. Um, But they're they're fighting all different things that are harming our children in our country. But really, it is all about these agendas to maintain the family, make sure the family is a strong unit, make sure to protect children. They're working. We're fighting bills. We're following uh, school boards. We're, uh, we're writing legislation, we're speaking at rallies, we're organizing, we're lifting each other up. It's really a coalition. I think one of the most uh, powerful things about it is that it's lifting up voices. So people who are doing important work, like me, for example, where I have a parent program, we're getting resources out to people because, as you know, we're all censored. So it's hard to get the word out, give people the resources they need, get people's voices out, the, the quiet, the silenced voices to, to lift all of our voices together. So it's really a coalition of people who are fighting for the well-being of our children of our country yep yep amen good awesome pamela um keep it up hey where can people follow you to give them your instagram uh give them the website anywhere else people can can follow you or support what you're doing yeah so i've written a parent's guide to mental health uh, when i was let go of my job i decided that I was going to use my time to basically write, put what's in this brain here and put it out online for parents to know what is appropriate mental health care, to understand what is an appropriate assessment, to give them tools so that they can question therapists and screen for appropriate mental health care. And that is online at thetruthfultherapist.org. 
and I also provide consultations for parents who are looking because I really believe that we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater because we do need mental health care, especially after all the lockdowns and everything we've been through and the fact that we are so isolated and divided. We need that, but we need health care, mental health care that's going to actually help. So I'm not providing the therapy, but I'm helping people find the therapy and question the therapist, challenge therapists so that they get the appropriate help, uh, mental health care. And um, yeah, so truthfultherapist.org. And then my Instagram is the.truthfultherapist. And I, my Twitter, completely different, is redpilled LCSW, uh, licensed clinical social worker, is what that stands for. Um, I have a Substack, is Pam the Truthful Therapist. And that that is pinned to my Twitter and those links are also on my Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube, but I don't really use it a whole lot. So maybe I'll get that more. Going. Good. Good. It's the truthful therapist. Good. Well, I, I'm sure that you are, and will continue to be an encouragement to a lot of uh, families who are, who are in this right now with, with their children and uh, don't know what to do and are facing oftentimes insurmountable ob odds um, especially given the kind of legislation that is coming after their own children in California and, and elsewhere around yes. the country. So this is wicked, wicked stuff. Um, if, if you can't stand up for children, uh, honestly, you're a piece of crap. Uh, if you can't if you can't protect them, the <laughs> most innocent, the most vulnerable, the most silent um, against such a clear, blatant agenda, um, you know, I, I don't know if you'll ever wake up. And uh, so thank you for being one of the ones leading the way. Uh, Pamela, keep up the good work and uh, keep us updated on, on what you're doing. And we'll pray that uh, Gavin Newsom Lean, he doesn't send his brown shirts after you anytime soon. Yeah, not yet, but we'll see what happens. I also would try to get him recalled, but unfortunately that didn't work yeah, out so well. Yeah, we did too. <laughs> well, I've moved recently, but our, our, our church has been and will continue to be when we're in California, Godspeed Calvary Chapel in, in Thousand Oaks, California. So if you're ever coming through and you're driving through Ventura County uh, down into L.A., uh, let us know. Shoot us a message uh, because you'll find a lot of mama bears and papa bears uh, and warriors doing very similar work as you're doing. Uh, and uh, we'd love to have you out and introduce you there as well. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group of like-minded people uh, supporting one another, very similar to your group, Moms, um, because we need one another in this season. So let us know if you're ever coming through Southern California. But in the meantime, Pamela, keep up the good work, and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. <laughs> yep, we'll see you soon. Thank you guys for tuning into the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, give the show a rating and review. <clears throat> and then we'll, if you, <clears throat> we'll go to Rumble and subscribe uh, for the inevitable time sometime that my YouTube is taken down. Um, and uh, subscribe, hit the notifications bell. Go to iTunes Podcast, give us a five stars, leave a rating. It actually it drives it up the charts and more people see the show. We really appreciate that. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole thing. If you want to hear me speak live and local or see my speaking schedule or book me for an event, go to sethgruber.com. And if you want to become an ally of the White Rose Resistance to help us rebuild Christian resistance against this culture of death before it's too late, go to thewhiterose.life, www.thewhiterose.life, and join the resistance. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is unaborted.